Welcome back, everybody. We're here for another episode of Comeback Stories, and today our guest is Tracy Dews. Tracy is a wellness advocate and scientist specializing in the innovative and intelligent practice of proper hydration. She's highly regarded as the hydration queen and is the founder of two naturopathic clinics. Her lifelong mission is to help people activate their vitality and feel alive. She believes optimal health is a fundamental right for all humanity, not just a privilege for a select few. Tracy, welcome to the show. Hey, welcome. thanks for having me. She's definitely the hydration queen. She vortexed my water right before the show. Just certified. Yes, I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. We're excited to have you educate our guests. You've already been educating me for the last couple hours and broke it down for Darren. I caught that on video too, by the way, so you can catch it on our <laughs> Instagram. Um, we like to dive right in. We want to hear about your story, and we first want to uh, hear about what life was like growing up for you. Okay, well, when you ask that question, that's a big question. I mean, there's so many things that could go into it. So what do you mean what was life like growing up? Like, tell us about your childhood. Okay, well, my dad was a pastor, and I grew up in a migrant town. Uh, I was the little, you know, I didn't feel very seen or known. I was just kind of in a migrant town. It was a small town, and I used to watch TV when I was a little kid and think, gosh, I want to have a house like that. I want to, those people are laughing, and they're having so much fun, and I want to live that life. And so I thought everything had, like, the excitement of life and true life was in Hollywood, you know, when you're, like, five. Right. Like, that's where I want to be because where I am right now feels like it's just a, such a different world, you know, that I lived in. I mean, in the, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, four of the boys got shot and died before I moved out when I was in my mid-teens. But, I mean, it was, it was a pretty intense neighborhood <laughs> to mm -hmm. live in. Where did you grow up? It was in Salinas. Gotcha. Can you talk about, there's a lot there, I know there's more, but can you talk about maybe an early memory of pain that you had? You know, honestly, I feel like the biggest memory of pain was just watching people not be healthy. I know that sounds kind of weird, but when I would witness somebody not in their full self, like my mom, she really suffered with her weight and the way she saw herself and the way she identified with herself based on the world standards and the way that she kind of saw herself um, my heart always felt just so much pain for that because I wanted the people in my life that I love to be happy and thrive. And so from a young age, I thought, oh, I need to do something about this. If I can help her be healthy and get to the weight or the whatever she's desiring that she thinks in her mind is going to make her happy, if I can help her get there, then I'll be happy too. So it wasn't like anything dramatic, but to me it was a big it was a big thing. Like, I wanted to spend the rest of my life helping people be healthy and feel good in their body. That feels like that came at such a young age. Like, how did you, or when did you realize that? Maybe you didn't realize it was a gift at the time, but when did you realize that? Oh, yeah, when I was really little. Like, I don't know, maybe five or six, I knew I wanted to become a doctor. 
and I wanted to be a pediatrician. I wanted to help children, especially to be healthy. What was it like for you growing up as um, a pastor's daughter? <laughs> That's so funny because people, when they say, oh, my God, you're a pastor's daughter, they automatically think like the rebellious one Rebel, who's yeah. partying, <laughs> yeah, Facts. doing all the things. Facts. It was interesting because my story was a little different in the sense that my dad was super chill and laid back and I didn't have really any rules. I mean, I kind of started my life on my own when I was 15. I started college and I was traveling around the world and I started my own mission trip to another foreign country when I was 15. So my parents kind of let me just make my own rules and do my own thing. And with that much freedom, I felt afraid to mess up because I had so much freedom. So I think I did the opposite where I was like, no, I don't even want to touch a beer. No, I don't even want to kiss a boy. Like I was so scared of messing up all the good things in my life that I think I was different than what the stereotypical <laughs> pastor's daughter was. But yeah, it, it was interesting growing up in, in a home. We would say that our mantra was Jesus Christ, beans and rice. You know, we didn't have a lot of money, but we had a lot of love. And we would mm. eat beans and rice every day, and everything was Jesus Bible pray. <laughs> mm. I want to go back because I think I heard you right. You said you graduated high school at 15. So you went to college at age 15, and you started your own mission at 15 years old. I'm yeah. thinking about what I, what I was doing at 15. I it was just, all about I just me. Started doing drugs. Yeah, um, <laughs> trying to figure out how to please people. Yeah, for me, it was all about me. So concerned with ev what everybody else thought, trying to be the cool guy, and all in on sports. And here you are, graduating. How do you graduate high school at fifteen? Well, I had the privilege of being homeschooled, so I didn't like being homeschooled. It was one of the the hardest things for me. I felt very isolated. So I thought if I can just accelerate and I would, I would wake, myself at uh, wake myself up at like 4.30, 5 a.m. to just start doing my homework and working. I'd lock myself in my room. I mean, I didn't really have anything else to do. I grew up in this little town where there was like literally nothing to do there. And I had three younger brothers, so I would just do my homework all day. And so since when you're homeschooled, you can go as fast as you want. So I just did it in one year. And what was the mission at 15? What were you called to do? I wanted to help people. I wanted to become a doctor, and I figured that it was going to be a long journey, and if I was going to do it, I needed to start right away. And, and at that time, growing up in that town and the home that I lived in, I just felt like in order to prove that I was somebody or to be seen and known, I had to have some sort of value in order to be loved. And I wanted to create my value. I wanted to start creating my value that I could give to the world. And, and I thought, in my mind, it was this unconscious uh, drive. I, I thought I was doing it because I wanted to help people. But all, ultimately, now looking back, I realized not only did I want to help people, but I also wanted to know that I was worthy of being loved and that I was lovable. Mm. <laughs> that's 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 that's, <laughs> that's incredibly relatable um for me and um i feel like to a lot of people out there like we all just do these things we just want to be okay like we're all trying to find all these different ways to be okay whether it be through drugs and alcohol or food or you know performing and success it's like we can all relate to that story no matter if people want to admit it or not there are points in our life where 
we feel that way. So uh, I appreciate you uh, being vulnerable and sharing that. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how we do these things. We have these unconscious programs. And we do, 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 do until one day we have this burnout or there's something that happens that brings us to our knees and we realize whatever was working for me isn't working anymore. And then we get the opportunity to reflect and look back. And when we really observe ourselves, sometimes we can see, oh, my gosh, I was doing this for a totally different reason than I thought I right. was doing it for. Wow, you're saying an opportunity. And I'm thinking about Darren and I's story of, like, we had an opportunity to go to rehab. And in that opportunity, like, I, I just I watch people go through their lives um, today just kind of like half-assed, just kind of like coasting. And then I think about what happened in our lives and how this addiction, like, brought us to our knees and really shined the light of awareness on some of the biggest character defects that were keeping us stuck, our core wounds and, like, why we, why we were in our addiction, but then the core of it of ultimately being that, that selfishness and that self-centeredness and really life being all around, about us. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier, but just and then getting the antidote to that of of being of service mm -hmm. to be able to find that. And, you know, people, when I share my story, like, oh, my God, I'm sorry you went through all that. I'm like, don't be sorry. These are the mm -hmm. greatest gifts I've ever had because right. mm -hmm. it's given me access to a, a greater purpose, an access point to a greater purpose, which ultimately, like I can hear it in your heart and in your words. It's service. Yeah, mm. absolutely. I mean. That's where the true juice of life is, is giving back because we have this choice to either focus on ourselves. I think that's where depression happens. We have this epidemic of depression in our world right now, and it's because we're focused on ourselves. We are so self-focused. Mm -hmm. And when I look at me, I can be nothing but depressed. I have to depress. I have to push down all the things because I'm so imperfect. And when I decide to instead of focus on me and be this conduit for love where love can come into me I can allow it to flow in and, and share it and let my hands be guided by divine to love and, and open up myself for service then everything starts to feel good you feel good inside you have purpose joy wells up inside of you these these springs of living water start to flow through us because we're in we're in service and I don't know to, to me that's what feels the best in life and when I got to go on that medical mission when I was 15 that's when my eyes opened up to how much opportunity there is in, the, in this world and how exciting life can be when I look outside of me who were some of your first, early, or greatest teachers? Maybe you had one teacher, um, and that could be a teacher that taught you what not to do or what not to believe, but like, who was someone for you early on? Oh, gosh, that's a really great question. I feel like I, ha I had a lot of really good mentors in my life, but one of the biggest mentors or teachers would probably be my dad. He was always of service. He was one of those people, and my mom too, they lived their life of service. We, they weren't the type of people that cared. Like we, I don't even remember them really locking the front door. I'd wake up in the morning and there could be a homeless person laying on the couch because they just always were looking. My mom would take buckets of warm water to the homeless people and wash their feet and 
bring people in and help rehab people. And that was my life. That was the way I grew up. We never had dinner, just uh, the six of us at the dinner table. There was always somebody from the church or from the rehab or, or somewhere. And so they were my biggest examples of that's what I thought was just normal, was just living your life that way. And, and they, my parents never had a lot in terms of, of just things or money. And they were so, they seemed so happy and so fulfilled and had so much joy in, this, in, their, um, in their purpose that that was a, a big lesson to me, just watching and witnessing that made me feel like, okay, this, this is what I want to do. Or it looks, it looks like this is what could make me happy in life. How cool to have that model to you. Yeah. To, to, to truly live a life of service, because I think some people can say it, but, you know, if your dad's a pastor, he's most likely walking that walk and being a living example of it. So that's amazing that you were able to have that mirrored and modeled to you at such a young age. Yeah, I am grateful for that. <laughs> and how you're now carrying that legacy on, but it just it looks different, but it's all still rooted in love. Yeah, hopefully that's mm. what I want. <laughs> Yeah, I want to get back into your story, like your quest uh, to really get to this point where you're at now. I know, I know that you uh, spent some time in Guatemala. Yeah. Um, what was that part of uh, of your of your journey like? So that was really interesting, being 15 and not uh, knowing Spanish, and going to a foreign country by myself. I think that was the first time I ever flew by myself, and just going there was really. It was scary. It was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing? But I was also so excited to have this opportunity to go to another country. And since I wanted to be a doctor, the opportunity was that I got to shadow a doctor in this indigenous village that this doctor had donated a year of his time um, to spend in this village. And, I mean, it was like um, this tiny little village where people wove their own clothes. And, I mean, there was little huts made out of just whatever they could make their house out of. And um, so I got to go shadow under him. And, and during that time, he performed surgery, delivered babies, gave vaccinations, and I got to be a part of all of that. And so for me, that was like a dream come true where I actually, all the things that I wanted to be, wanting to be a doctor, it was like I get to do this at such a young age. I get to shadow alongside of a doctor and the cool part about it was it was so much love that this man had had in his heart for these people. And people would line up. They would come from miles. I remember this one father brought his daughter on a donkey. It took them, I think he said, three days to get his daughter to, this, to, to see the doctor because she had just fallen and scraped her knee. And her knee had gotten so infected that it was like at the point where maybe they would have to amputate it because it they didn't know about sanitation. And so it was this this doctor was like a savior in their town where it was like I can bring my child or someone sick to this doctor and he will help them. And so it was this amazing feeling that I got to be a part of where it's like, People were so happy, they were so elated that they finally had hope. And that was a life changer for me. But not only, the cool thing about life is sometimes we can be going on this journey and be thinking, 
oh, I'm doing this, but I don't know why. Why am I doing this? Where is it going? What's my purpose for the future? And when I went on that trip, the village that I was in, it was on the top of this volcano called Agua. Mm -hmm. And when I went there, there was a lot of people, there was many people dying in this village. And I remember asking one of my mentors, why are all these pe- why are there so many funerals and he said because they don't have access to clean drinking water and my eyes were open cuz at that young age i i would just open the faucet back then i drank tap water okay i drank tap water y'all but <coughs> i would open the faucet and i'm not dying from drinking water there but there these people were really sick because they didn't have access to water and i remember thinking i want to go back someday and and help these people have access to clean drinking water. I put that in the back of my mind. And what do you know? Now, my whole mission is about helping educate people about the body of water that they are and helping optimize that. And when I look back, I was like, oh my gosh, I started my mission at Agua. (laughs) So things always like our God, our life is being divinely orchestrated, all these little puzzle pieces. And sometimes we can't understand where we're going because I got so far away from health and wellness I went into modeling I did investment banking I did all these different paths that I was felt like I was confused and they weren't adding up to anything and now where I'm at now in my mission I'm like oh my gosh it was all meant to be every single part of that journey was lining up to where I am right now can you talk about I like how you talked about um going and finding all these other different journeys, all these other different um, ways of, I guess, trying to uh, find fulfillment. And what what brought you back to the the health and wellness aspect of your purpose? That's a really great, great question. Um, So when I had my first daughter, Grace, she, when I was pregnant for her, I had a mineral imbalance and I didn't understand why my mouth was so dried wake up in the middle of the night and my tongue would be stuck to the roof of my mouth my eyelids I couldn't even open my eyes without putting water on my eyelids because everything was so dry and um I posted this picture on Instagram but it was like my stomach looked almost the same size that it does right now I didn't have a lot of amniotic fluid and my body was just really dehydrated at the cellular level and it was because of a simple mineral imbalance. And I'd always been interested in, in health and wellness. And when I was going to, when I was in pre-med and wanted to do all that medical stuff, it was this allopathic path that I got to do, the Western medicine path. And I realized I, I want to help people, but I wasn't resonating with the Western medicine path, so I got out of that. But when my daughter uh, was born, she ended up getting an autoimmune disease after one of her vaccinations, a couple days later, all of her hair started falling out. And she got alopecia. And I I don't know if you guys know anything about alopecia, but I have a 17-year-old daughter who is completely bald. She has no eyelashes, no eyebrows, no hair on her head. And um, when she was two and her hair started falling out, I was like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's going on? I didn't know what was going on in her body. And her doctors, many doctors that we took her to, they all said this is an autoimmune condition and it's something she will live with for the rest of her life. And in my spirit and my heart, I felt like that's not the answer. You don't 
get to tell her her fate. There's always hope, no matter what. And so it led me back to that compassion that I used to have for my mom and the people that I felt like weren't feeling comfortable in their body. I'm like, I need to go back and I need to find out some answers for my daughter. I have to educate myself. Because I'm her mom and I'm really her hope right now. I'm her voice. So I went back to um, herbal school. I went to school to become a, a living food chef and then ultimately took me to a PhD program. And, and then I started uh, a wellness clinic. I have a functional me medicine clinic. And so we went back to learning about the body from the base, from the vibrational frequency sound level. And when I got to that level, I realized, hey, wait a minute our body's 99% mo water molecules. If we're that much water and all of the sound, the things that we say, the thoughts that we think is impacting the body of water that we are, then maybe medicine starts with our thoughts and our words and the way that the, the, way that the body of water that we are is influenced and so yeah, my daughter was my inspiration to go back into health and wellness. When you say the body of water that we are, maybe to the listeners or even to us, like what does that exactly mean? <laughs> so it's interesting because we're 99% water molecules. That's crazy, right? It seems like if we're that much water, why are we not a puddle of water on the floor? Hmm. That's because the water that we are is a crystalline structure. We are structured water. The inside of ourselves, every um, hydrophilic surface in our body is taking the water that we drink and structuring it. And so like our bones are a crystalline structure. Everything that we are made of is a crystalline structure. And that crystalline structure is holding information. Just like crystals, why do people put crystals in their home? Because that crystalline structure is like an antenna. It sends and receives information. So does the crystalline structure of body, a body of water that we are. We, we're all, we're all mostly all water. That's wild. <laughs> and we don't even think right. about no, it, right? No, no. It never, never crosses my it mind. It doesn't cross your mind. You think about, oh, I'm going to drink some water, whatever. Better just hydrate. I'm sure you hear that all the time right. in sports, right? Yeah, stay hydrated, well, drink two is, gallons a day, yeah. like old school, but it's like... The more water you drink, the more hydrated you're going to be. That's simply not true. It's maybe maybe a part of the story, but if you're not getting the rest of the story, you're not going to be hydrated, and most people are in a state of chronic dehydration. All of us are. We're all constantly dehydrating. I mean, my mission is to help people get hydrated, and then I wake up dehydrated because... Our bodies are just dehydrating all the time. We're like evaporating. I've heard you say water stores and holds information. What does that mean? That's a really good question. So I, I like a simple way to put it that it's, it's a way that we can kind of frame it in our minds. It's, is like if you think about your cell phone, it's, a, it's, a, it's got these cells in it that are holding information and... Gerald Pollack, one of my mentors, says that the cells in our body, that structure of water can hold up to maybe a billion times more information than these cells in our devices. 
that's pretty interesting. And we think about like, well, how is it holding information? I like to think of it as like, you think about, um, nature is very efficient. So you think about bees. How do they hold their honey? They create these hexagonal structures because it's the most efficient way to hold all of that honey. Well, the same thing with our bodies. These hydrophilic surfaces are creating these hexagonal sheets. And it's the structure where that's where the information is being held. And our body naturally does that for us. It's called H3O2. So you're drinking what you think is H2O. You're not just drinking H2O. When you drink water, there's so many other molecules in there, like D2O, deuterium, HDO. There's, a, there's many more things than just H2O. So we've only been told part of the story, once again. But your body's taking that water and it's structuring it. Um, Gerald Pollack at the University of Washington discovered that there's four phases to water. It's not just liquid, vapor, gas anymore. There's also the gel-like structure, which is called the fourth phase of water. And our body is constantly taking water and structuring it to make that fourth phase water. And in that fourth phase, it looks like, like hexagonal sheets lined up. And that's where the information stored. So what else is in water? If you're drinking out of a tap, what other stuff are you getting in the water? Yeah, so that's a really good question because most of us think about the chemistry of water. I need to have clean water, and that's important. So what do you do at home? How do you, do you have a water filter? Yeah. Okay, what kind of water filter wanna, do you have? I don't want to admit it. <laughs> I've had a couple friends, so I, I've, I have a Brita. You have a Brita? Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. But, well, you're trying. You're doing something that's amazing. Yeah. What do you do? Um, I mean, I'm usually drinking like Essentia or like some water from Trader Joe's or. And you're probably drinking Essentia because that's what you've been told. Like that's what the athlete should do. It's most yeah, hydrating. I just drink what they tell me to drink. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. It's all <laughs> marketing. Okay. So it's important that we take. So water can have contamination in it and we don't want that. And we want to take out the contaminants that are in the chemistry of the water. That's very important um, because there could be pathogens, there could be caustic, toxic chemicals in there, you name it. We want to remove that. But it's not just the chemistry of the water that's important. The physics of the water is equally as important. Just like we spoke about how water holds information, what kind of information is this water holding? If it passed through these moldy or dirty pipes or it's come in contact with pharmaceuticals or any type of bacteria or pathogens, don't you think you'd be holding that information inside at an energetic level or the physics of it's been framed to, it's been imprinted with that information? Bad visual. I start thinking about that. <laughs> so, so we think about okay. I want to. I want to clean the chemistry of the water. But then you're drinking it, and that water's sending signals to your cells. It's sending information to your cells. A lot of people are very familiar with homeopathic medicine. How it's basically it's just water, but it's vibrational water with information in it. Well, water holds information. Everything it's come in contact with. That's why. A lot of people are really familiar with Dr. Emoto's work or Emoto's um, 
the the crystalline structures, how he spoke over the water, and you know, you look at the word hate and how it made this dissonant structure and it was all incoherent. Or then he speaks the word love over it and you have this beautiful crystalline structure. And so I, I really appreciate his work because it brought awareness to us that there's something beyond the chemistry of the water. There's so much more. And then we look at all the ancient texts. I mean, what does the Bible talk about? Living water. You know, Jesus says, I am the living water. Why? <laughs> you know, when you really start to think about it, it's like, it's not just a thing that he was saying. It's, it's because th there is this information that the water is holding. And so we want to be aware of that. We have this amazing opportunity to upgrade our awareness into the fact that water isn't just its chemistry anymore. Darren and I get the opportunity to sit here and upgrade our awareness every single time. And just hearing someone like you, it's nothing better than just sitting here and watching somebody in their purpose and be so passionate about something. And also someone that knows way more than, than we know. You talk about, I mean, we're getting that upgrade. And I just really appreciate you breaking that down for us. But it's cool just to sit back and observe and watch someone just flow and, and be fully in their purpose. And Thank you for taking us back and, and allowing us to connect the dots to uh, why you do what you do today and why you're here. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love the energy that you have because it really starts with, like, basic things. You know, there's a lot of things that people tell us to do or to try that are, like, you know, maybe a little bit more complicated or maybe difficult to maybe implement, uh, like, right into our routines. But you talk about, like, our thoughts, you know, our words and how we're hydrating ourselves. Like we can just start there. Like yeah. if we can just start there. Our experience can be a lot better because it's about, you know, the energy that we're putting out into the world. If we start with, you know, cultivating the energy that we want within ourselves with really, really, really basic things that can change into um, a life. Cause you got to start somewhere. You got to have a foundation in place. So uh, I love that energy about you. Thank you. I, th I think, um, like you guys talk about on your show a lot, the story that you tell yourselves. Mm -hmm. We have this story, this program that's going on and on in our brain. And we think, oh, that's just my thoughts. It's not a big deal. But it is a big deal because it's impacting every single molecule in your body. Your cells are being imprinted with that story. You are becoming that story at the physical level. Whatever we think about ourselves, we become. A lot of it comes back to, I know you, I've heard you talk a lot about the importance of awareness, but even no, understanding what is that story. But I think sometimes we are so hijacked by it that we can't even take a step back and understand the story that we're telling ourselves, which is why I love meditation and teach it and understand that a lot of times we have to actually stop and think about what we're thinking about. Yeah. Or actually notice what we're thinking about. Because yeah. I know the quote is that our thoughts create our reality, but I think it's actually deeper. That it's actually our belief system. Mm. Our belief system creates our thoughts, and then our thoughts create our reality. But without any awareness, because awareness is what loosens the grip in a natural way. When we can shine the light of awareness onto it, right? we can bring it to the light. Yeah. Ultimately, we can see what's, um, you brought up the word dissonance, like what is, what is um, not in alignment with us. 
but we have to have practices that cultivate more awareness, especially in this world that is so um, addicted and afflicted to distraction and not feeling and hiding in our work and being busy. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's so cool when we take the time to just sit in the silence inside of ourselves and observe our own thoughts. When we become an active observer without any judgment and just getting curious, Mm. that's when everything starts to open up. It's like, hmm, that's interesting. Why did I do that? Or that's always worked for me, but now it isn't. So what next? That key, the key to what you just said was without judgment. Mm-hmm. Because we don't have control over our thoughts, but we do have control over our attachment to our thoughts. And a big attachment that we have to our thoughts is judgment. Mm-hmm. Like when a crazy ass thought comes into our head and then we start to judge ourselves for having that crazy ass thought, like thoughts are just thoughts. You know, I remember, I think you've maybe said it to me, where thoughts become things yeah. when we attach to them. Yeah. A lot of that, well, we can believe them, but a lot of it is that judgment. Mm-hmm. which is such an essential part of just like self-love or mindful self-compassion, if you will, where it's like understanding like the thoughts are going to come. Yeah. Now we can choose to notice them and the ones that don't serve us, let them go. And then the ones like, I, I feel like for me in meditation, I am thinking a lot and I have these, what meditation is doing for me a lot lately is having downloads. Mm-hmm. It's not that I'm not thinking, I'm actually thinking. And then the, the stuff that I'm thinking about, like, I'm hungry. (laughs) I can like notice those and let them go. But the other ones that like, you know, I have a lot of inspiration and, you know, Darren comes up a lot in my meditations and my practices about the possibility and the future. And it's like, those are downloads. That Mm -hmm. to me is like connecting with God and divine and getting that inspiration. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking for a meditation practice, trying to start one, it's not about not thinking. Yeah. It's just about starting a practice and just sticking with it, staying Mm -hmm. consistent. I love that you said that, yeah, and it's just, because I used to think if you were going to meditate, you got to clear your mind, clear your mind, and then I realized just observing my thoughts, like, oh, that's interesting, hmm, this is, and then you can also guide them, too, you know, okay, th- I'm having this thought, but let me bring myself back to what my intention is. When I set an intention before my meditation practice, that's when I notice I, I have, um, more productive meditation because it's like I can keep going back to the focus, whatever mm-hmm. that was. Yeah. And then it's like, like you said, uh, the misconceptions of meditation, right? It's like people think it has to be some like perfect activity. Like you have to be like the monk that sits still <laughs> for eight hours and like not talking about holding some, holding the crazy complicated mudra. But yeah. It's like, you know, where is even the joy in the perfection? Like right. Where, like if we're perfect at something, like what, like there's no, there aren't really many highs and lows of, of just the journey of getting better, of learning, of becoming, of uh, embodying. So it's like, don't approach this meditation with a perception of being perfect, but why not a perception of progressing, wow. of improving in it? Like we practice something to, you know, continue to gain experience, to continue to put forth the repetitions, flex the muscle of our mind, like, kind of like you're working out in the gym. Like you got to. You're, you you get bigger or you get the body that you want or the things that you do by continued repetition. Mm-hmm. Some days you go in there, you're not going to feel great at the gym. You may have thoughts of wanting to walk out. Like, I'm a professional athlete, and I'm like, I'm not feeling this workout sometimes. I'm not feeling this practice. But it's like the fact that you stay in it and continue to show up and to continue to implement that into your day, it's like, that's big. So yeah. <laughs> it's huge. So huge. What are, what are some of your daily practices? Like hydration daily practices? Um, <laughs> 
just for you, for your inner world? Like, what does that look like for you? Yeah, so I have a pretty intense morning routine. Uh, and if I don't do it, I feel out of balance. But oh. I need to wake up slow. I have to wake myself up really early, like 4.30 or 5 before anybody else is awake. And I... I ask God to, I ask divine to invite divine into my day. And I know that since there's all these, everything starts with a sound field, I'm very aware of, of sound. And I think, okay, there's, what are, why do we call spelling words spelling words? Because it's a spell that can be put on us, you know? And I anything that's come into my field sound wise or things that people have said or they've spoken over to my, li over my life. I ask God to tune my whole field. I say, sing a song of love over me so that every cell in my being is vibrating to the frequency of love. Mm. And I just ask that. And, I, and then I ask, I look at my list of the things on my list for that day, and I invite God into it. And I say, okay, God, I, these are the things I want to accomplish, but I surrender my will, and I ask you to interrupt my day in any way that I'm not in alignment with you. Wow. So then my mind is kind of set on, not so set on this task list, because you know sometimes we feel like we didn't accomplish a lot if we didn't finish our task list. But when I pray that prayer, I could just maybe get one thing checked off my task list, but go to bed at the end of the day feeling productive, because my day was opened up and I see how God like turned the dial in a different direction something I thought I was supposed to do it got turned to this but yet it was it was more of what was meant to be not what I thought it was supposed to be so I'm more open to the day not going the way that I'm mm. anticipating it to go you know and then when it gets disrupted which it always does <laughs> I'm not as upset I'm like okay cool yeah we're flowing here you know this is like I can't find my keys running late but I know that I'm gonna get there when I'm supposed to get there wow that's like I that's fire right there because <laughs> I don't know I know Donnie can relate like my life didn't go the way I planned it to go like I didn't wake up one day and was like can't wait to be addicted to pills and yeah. you know right and just isolate myself from everybody and not walk in my purpose but the fact that my life happened the way that it did like not how I planned it to go is what why I'm so grateful for it yeah, it, it, you're you're describing. It sounds like your intention in that morning is surrender. Mm -hmm. Early on, my prayer in rehab, or like when I got out of rehab, was Your will, please not mine. And I truly was like, please, please not mine, because my will landed me in rehab. Like it mm -hmm. did not go well doing it my way. Mm -hmm. And then a few months when I got some time underneath my belt, it was like Your will, please not mine. Like a little joke, because it's laughable to think. <laughs> my way but just hearing that and that whole idea of just surrendering to the flow yeah. and understanding that like God or life is really happening for us and not to us and just like every opportunity is an opportunity it's a lesson there's growth there's adversity but it's like resistance can be a mofo for some you know for many it's like not accepting what's happening in that moment and I think that's where we take our will back and yeah, when you walked me through that, that I know Darren was taking notes probably on your prayer, which I'll either re-listen or get it from you, but that sounds like such a beautiful, intentional morning prayer and ask. And man, if, if we can like live by that, to be able to stay out of our own way and mm. trust, surrender to the flow, trust the process, trust God, like that was very, very beautiful. Yeah, mm. thank you. Yeah. 
So then I just get into like the day, like physically. Then I, I get up. I oil pull. I have this amazing oil that I use to just get all the toxins out of my mouth, pull the toxins out of my teeth, my gums, get that going. Do that for like 15 minutes, and then I stand in front of my biocharger and get all the frequencies that dialed in that I want to that day. So that one has pulsed electromagnetic frequency, light, and sound therapy. So it's tuning everything in my field. And then I drink uh, 24 ounces of vortex water, between 24 and 32 ounces of vortex water just to cleanse everything out, get myself hydrated, because we're really dehydrating so much through respiration and everything in the middle of the night. We wake up very dehydrated. And a lot of people wake up and the first thing they have is coffee or tea or something, which is another diuretic, you know, that's like pulling water out. So we want to really like front load the water. And, and a lot of my patients, they wait till the end of the day, and then they're waking up in the middle of the night, and their sleep's disrupted because they're thinking, oh, I didn't get enough water in, and I need to hydrate. Well, it's better to do it, like front load it. So I'll drink my Vortex water, so I make sure I, I clean my water, you know, I filter it, then I add minerals back into the water, and then I Vortex the water, and I drink about 24 ounces of that, and then I'll juice celery juice and I drink about 16 to 20 ounces of celery juice so I'm really <laughs> like really needing to go pee multiple times after this but, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nice. but um, there's a lot of a lot of liquids but anyways I love juice because juice the the uh, vegetables and the fruits have structured water inside their cells cells of the cells of all these fruits and vegetables are making structured water just like our body's making structured water these botanicals are making structured water for us and they're filled with this light energy and all of this information from the sun and so much energy and structured water that when i drink my fresh pressed juice my cells are just soaking up all of this nutrition and hydration and it's just a great way to start the day especially with just plain celery juice because that really helps get your hydrochloric acid in your body going, which ultimately is going to help with digestion. So a lot of people have like indigestion or, um, you know, the poor digestion, and, and some of it can be from a lack of hydrochloric acid. So you want to help raise those levels, and you can do that by drinking celery juice. So not only are you hydrating, you're getting good um, information sent to your cells, you're getting that photonic energy, that full spectrum light energy. So I take that juice and I go stand on my rooftop and I watch the sunrise and I take at least mm. 15 to 20 seconds to look straight at the sun as it's coming over the mountain. And you want to be careful with this because if you don't have enough, um, like you want to be taking DHA, essential fatty acids, chlorella, spirulina, things like that to help protect your retina. But you want to get just a little bit of that sunrise. And when you get that full spectrum sun into your eyes and on as much skin as possible, you're getting that information, that nutrition that our body needs. That's why we eat fruits and vegetables because they have that light energy inside of them. And so it's feeding us that nutrition. But if we look at the sun in the morning, we get that nutrition into our body. And so when I'm drinking my juice and I'm looking at the sun and I have my shoes off and I'm grounding to the earth, I come alive. Like I'm like a battery that's getting a full charge. It's like when you put charge your cell phone at night and you plug it in, your body's feeling fully charged because you're getting the magnetism from the earth. We're, we're 
bioelectrical beings. And in order to charge, we can benefit from connecting our feet or our hands, our body to the earth, to a natural earth surface. And when you're hydrated, you're getting the sunlight and you're connecting to the earth, all of those things come together and alchemize this beautiful electrical charge inside of your body. And you will notice a difference. I've had my wellness clinic for 16 years and we used to have people come in from stage four cancer or whatever diseases they had. And, and I started pulling them back from all of these crazy deep protocols and just bringing them back to basics. And, and I watched people start to come alive again and their symptoms just totally fall off and disappear because they were doing the basic foundations for health that we have forgotten about that they're free, we have access to. It's like instead we want to pay all this money. I need this toy or I need to have the best whatever when most of the things that we need are already free in nature. And that's why I just wrote a book called Hydrate. It has those nine pillars of health that I started practicing in my clinic and watching how these proved over and over and over again to reverse people's chronic illness. And it was just from the basic foundations of health and wellness that the that are um, easy for us to access in nature. What are those nine pillars? Oh gosh, you want to break them down? Yeah. Cliff Notes version. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, it ultimately starts with hydration, right? We want to hydrate because we're a body of water. We want minerals. Minerals are essential. Um, you know, the we we developed from the earth, uh, the ocean's plasma. The ocean's plasma is identical to our blood plasma, or what our blood plasma should look like, and it should have these 78 trace elements in it in perfect proportion that the ocean has. Uh, so, so minerals are, are essential. Nutrition, obviously. Sunlight, grounding, sleep. I say creative playtime because if we're not moving mm -hmm. our bodies and getting creative, nope. then you know we're not gonna be thriving. Like, we got to move in our bodies in all these different directions. At my house, I have all these PlayStations. I've got trampolines. I have an adult tree house. I have, um, like, balance boards. I mean, Indian clubs. You name it. Like, you walk around, and there's, like, stations everywhere to just move your body. You know? <laughs> We're, we always have music on. My girls and I, when we wake up in the morning, we usually are, like, dancing and making breakfast because it's really important to get creative and just play. Um, and then I say connected community is, is essential. We can't do life alone unless we're eye-gazing, looking each other in the eyes, hugging, connecting, touching in each other's presence, IRL, in real life. We're not going to thrive. And so I, I really feel that that's one of the, the pillars and foundations of health that we need. And then, of course, um, I think I already said sleep, but... If, if we're not sleeping, people think they can do all these things and hack their way to health, but then they're not getting sleep. <laughs> I have so many of my patients come in and they're like A-type, very successful, driven uh, humans. And they'll be like, yeah, I sleep like four or five hours a night, but I don't really need it. And I'm like, yes, you do. <laughs> you do need sleep. It doesn't matter. All the great things you're doing, they're not going to work for you unless you're getting really good sleep. And I like to use sleep trackers because I used to think I was getting good sleep until I started tracking my sleep. And then I realized, oh, my gosh, my deep sleep is so off. And that's where a lot of our growth hormones build and, you know, our, our restoration happens. 
in this deep sleep and, and I wasn't getting great deep sleep. So I got to really bioharmonize and have this opportunity to try different things and see what worked for me specifically to make my deep sleep longer and more efficient. What would you say the appropriate <coughs> average, what should a man get and what should a woman woman get like average per night? Oh, of sleep? Yeah. Oh, man, I really feel like there's it's a danger zone to say that there's this there's a specific number for certain for everyone because everyone's body is different, right? Some people really do need less and some people need more, but I don't think you should be getting anything less than seven and a half, eight hours. Like I think between seven and, and eight hours is, is really good. Um, maybe if you even get nine hours, wow, that's great. But every hour before 10 o'clock is like a bonus because once the sun sets, you know, all my house has amber lights. There's no blue lights, none of those LED lights that are tricking my brain into thinking that it's daylight and I'm supposed to be awake because I want to have good melatonin production, which is a very potent antioxidant in my body. I want my body to produce it. And I'm robbing my body of that production when I am looking at these blue lights after the sun sets because my brain's confused and it's not producing that at the as efficiently because it it thinks it's daytime and when I start transitioning to that nighttime mode it's like as, as the sun starts to to set that's when I'll do like make a cup of tea light the candles in my house take a bath read a book have a really nice conversation with somebody sit by the fire you know those kind of things I'll go in my hot tub I'll you know do things that or just starting to prepare my body to go to sleep so that I can get a really nice sleep. And then I think a, a big part of sleep is being in, in integrity with yourself. A lot of people, a lot of my patients cannot sleep because their mind is going at nighttime and they're not happy with themselves. They're thinking like, oh my gosh, I should have done this or I don't like the way I showed up that way and they're not in integrity with themselves. When you're in integrity with yourself, you can hit the pillow and have peace, peace of mind. And there's no price tag you can put on that. There's no biohack hacking your way out of that. You just got to do the work. And when you do that work, you're going to get some really good sleep. I love that. Mm. Talk about a lot of recovery with a daily inventory and a lot of that can come at night where if there wasn't something that you're so happy with yourself, at least you've brought it to pen to paper, brought it to the light, got out what, what's inside of you um, so that you can rest easy. Yeah, because none of us are perfect. I mean, at the end of the day, ultimately, there's always things I'm like, oh, I could have done this better. I don't like the way I showed up that way or didn't show up. And so it's just getting in alignment and recognizing it, right? Observing yourself outside of judgment. Oh, man, you know what? I'm not really happy with the way that I did this, but here's how I'm going to do it better next time. And, and really just going through that in my mind and, and also having that forgiveness and that grace. And if there's anyone that I feel that I wasn't um, in integrity with, to be able to also bring that up to that person and open that conversation up. And sometimes they're, they're, not, they're like, what are you talking about? But for you, it's like that didn't feel in alignment with me and I just want to make sure we're good and I want to communicate this and open this conversation up so that, I can sleep tonight. <laughs> mm, I mean, I feel like that's a great way to end, like having a love and integrity for yourself. Like 
having that grace for yourself at the end of the day because there are so many things we're striving for, so many things we're trying to do, the purpose we're trying to walk in. Like, if it doesn't line up with how you think the day should have looked or how you think your life should have looked by this point in time, like, show yourself that love, extend that compassion, that grace to yourself because at the end of the day, we're doing the best we can. Uh, and if we're not doing the best we can, that's where it comes with that integrity with self. Like, let's get to why we're not and go from there. But, um, I mean, I, I thank you for coming on here and just, you know, sharing your heart, uh, sharing your mind, sharing your practices, uh, sharing about what makes you tick. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, and I think a lot of people, including me, are better for having this conversation, her hearing this conversation. Uh, we just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me here. I feel so honored and blessed. Yeah, thank you. It's again, Darren and I have the, the blessing to be able to bring amazing guests that know a lot more than we do. But most importantly, it's just so inspiring. I think these are the conversations we were talking about this earlier, like the only kind of conversations that I want to have that we actually get to have. So when a surface level conversation comes my way, it's like run for the hills. <laughs> but this is so deep. And it's just like just your education and your knowledge on water and your passion and, and your purpose around service. It's uh certainly inspires me to step up my game especially my water game mm. learned so much from you in the last hour and uh our conversation before but yeah just thank you for showing up and for your heart of service the way you're showing up in the world and lighting up this world is there any way i can just give one final tip Please. because i know people are going to ask this question we talked a lot about water and most people are going to ask you after the show well what kind of water am i supposed to drink so i don't want to leave people hanging go back to nature if you go to the store and you look at that water bottle that you had, Darren, and they had sent you a water bottle, it's tap water that has minerals added to it. You can upgrade your water by just finding spring water that's been um, filtered and vortexed and mineralized by nature. So I just encourage people to look at the water that you're drinking. If it says filtered, that means tap. And tap water has all of that information still held in it. So we want the living information. And so a way that you can simply upgrade your hydration game is to get some really good, um, some really good spring water. And, and a couple of my favorites are Halstein water. Um, I, I love Halstein water. That's a water that can be delivered to your home. And um, yeah, so drink some spring water. I feel like we just tapped into, barely tapped into the knowledge that you're bringing, but where can people track you down? What are some of the offerings? I know you have a, a book coming out in 2023. Let's uh, let you end on that and just share how people can track you down and some of the amazing things you're doing right now. Yeah. So if you want to get my book, um, it's coming out in a couple weeks. So if you want to pre-order it, you can go to my website, tracydews.com, like pay your dues, T-R-A-C-Y-D-U-H-S. And uh, you can pre-order the book. And you can also follow me on Instagram. I really try to educate and give little tips as often as possible, just things that people can do every day. Break, take science and break it down into bite-sized pieces. And then I have a podcast called Hydrate, Hydrate with Tracy Dews. And it comes out every Friday, and we interview scientists from around the world that help us upgrade our health game. Beautiful. Mm. Thank you so much. Thank you. Peace. <laughs> What's up, Comeback Stories family? It's Donnie dropping in here. 
So did you know that Darren and I's relationship started by me being his personal development, mindfulness, and mindset coach? I want to let you know about both my one-on-one coaching program, The Shift, and my group mastermind, Elevate Your Purpose. These coaching programs are specifically designed for people who are ready to take the next step in their purpose and level up their career, personal finances, and have more connected, deep, and meaningful relationships. My gift and part of my purpose is to help others take that next step in leveling up their lives so that they can have a greater impact on the lives of others, create success that's sustainable yet evolves and grows, and help build a legacy that will outlive your life. If this is calling you, just go to DonnieStarkins.com and apply for either one of my programs.